Welcome back to the Policy Viz podcast. I'm your host, John Schwabish. I'm very happy on this week's episode to have an old friend of mine, one of the first people I worked with when I got really interested in data visualization, Francis Gagnon from Shave Voila. Did I get the accent right? Was that, was that Yeah, close? you got the accent right. The company is just Voila, but of course, oh. Voila.com was taken. So the domain oh, right. Shave Voila. Shave Voila. It's so <laughs> fancy and international. <laughs> You can almost hear my long mustache. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you dressed up. I mean, you've got the top hat and the monocle for the interview. So. Oh, no, that's not dress up. That is my summer that's dress code. Usual, <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, Francis, how are you, man? I'm quite good, and I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for the invitation. You know, I've seen the guests that you've had before, and definitely this is going on my tombstone. I don't know that I was supposed <laughs> this to. is it. This is <laughs> the note. That'll be right there. <laughs> I've reached the top now. <laughs> Well, I'm I'm really glad you could come on the show. Well, I saw you in in the spring at Tapestry Conference, correct? And we spent a lot of time there talking data stories and whatnot. And then um, you've written a few posts over in the intervening months, uh, mm-hmm. a few on uh, some of the clients you've been working with and sort of like the before and afters, which is really what piqued my interest. I want to get into that and your process and how you work with clients and all that. But before we get into that, maybe you could talk a little bit about your background and how you got interested in information design and data visualization and and how you started your company up there in uh, in Montreal. Well, actually, I, I got into this the same way that everybody does, in a very roundabout way. <laughs> I wasn't supposed <laughs> to do this. And I feel like most of us got this because it was distracting us at work. You know, we had like, certain <laughs> yeah. things to do and to deliver, but Oh, this this graph was impossible to read, so I just <laughs> had to get Excel to do it properly, and I just had to fix this. So I studied political science and, um, and international development, but I actually started in communications. And this sort of gave me an edge when I switched to political science. I was the only one who had the slightest understanding of design and communications. So I ended up being responsible for, you know, the student newspaper, the poster for this, the website for the teacher. At the time, you know, it was just students doing yeah. them and all. And I ended up doing a lot of design and I got really interested in this and self-start. And I would actually read books about this, subscribe to magazines to really try to understand how design would go. And I remember being like feeling like maybe I should be a graphic designer. Maybe this is like yeah. I should. I wanted to be a journalist at the time. but And so I realized that. I really like this, but there was something missing for me in graphic design, and it was it was substance. I really wanted to engage with the substance. You know, I wanted to question what was in the in the day. Mm-hmm. Or so I I sort of let go of this passion of mine, and I just completed my studies and went into the field and started working more in international development. And uh, maybe, I don't know, 12, 13 years ago, I was uh, teaching stuff about international economics in, in Geneva, and I had to use PowerPoint. And I despise PowerPoint as a piece of software. <laughs> and so, of course, I Googled about my hate of PowerPoint. And what did I find? Edward Mr. Tufty. Yes, there he is. There he is. <laughs> that, uh, exactly. So I, I found you know, the cognitive style of PowerPoint like this. PowerPoint is evil. Uh, it's probably what I googled actually. <laughs> and so that's that was my first entry point in in information design, and that's when I discovered, my God, this is a field. Like there's really people who use design to do analysis, which you know I want to do analysis. This is a substance. This is what I'm interested in. But I love design, and so I didn't switch immediately. I started using, uh, you know, reading about PowerPoint and how to improve my presentations and how to engage in uh, audience and. 
you know, I, I, we, we were always <clears throat> losing one or two participants to death by PowerPoint. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, I wanted to lose zero at the end of the six <laughs> months, six weeks training. And, uh, so, and then I got interested in him. And when I went to, so then I, I switched from Geneva and I went to work in Washington and, mm-hmm. and to, for the World Bank to something totally unrelated, again, to information design. I was working in what's called donor relations. So you're, you're the face of the World Bank with the donor countries, like mostly rich countries. And I was responsible there for the annual report of our team, among other things. And of course, there's data in it. And I was doing reports on our fundraising as well. So I was making all these data things. And I was still following Edward Tufte. And actually, I think it's my wife at the time who went to his class first. Mm. And, uh, and anyway, one day the opportunity arise to go, I, probably in Arlington, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is, is mega show. But at the time, I already seen his books. So for me, it was like a nurse concert. I was like, yeah, show us the Galileo book. Oh, yeah, the gloves. He's putting on the gloves. Yeah, the white gloves. Yeah, on the gloves. was like, I knew it by heart. It was just like, I want to meet the men. It's like you go to see your favorite band and you know all the lyrics. It's not about learning the new songs. It's about listening to the greatest hits. And I really like this. I, You know what? I didn't go in line to get the signature in my book. Right. I think it was just too starstruck, I'm afraid. So gradually, I kept doing this and getting interested. And there was a turning point where we had like a very, very bad presentation. I'm going to make a short version of it, but it's an annual process of re- reviewing our data. It was all in PowerPoint and the graphs were awful, awful. And I started to withdraw them and, and explain how we could do this annual process presenting the data differently and people were sort of interested in it but i also wanted to switch job and at some point i went to speak to one of our vice presidents and the one for our unit actually and i told her you know i've been here for six years now i'm willing i'm ready for for a new challenge and move elsewhere and oh by the way here's something that i've done to I, I, it's something that i do do you see a place because there's no job for this there's no information designer at the world bank right. you know? And she said, like, you are going to do this full time for me Mm. now. (laughs) Like, I I love this. Like, I need to see my data this way. And so she created this two-year position. And this is when I really started to work full time in this. Unfortunately, as soon as I got the job, she left. (laughs) So (laughs) I I was left without, uh, how do you call that, uh, a mentor or, you know, someone who understands why I'm into that position right. and all. But it gave me two years, really, of just doing data visualization and management reports. Mm-hmm. And uh, after the two years, they said, well, that was fun, so you can go back to the machine now. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> you tasted uh, the sweet okay. life and you're here. You're, you're, <laughs> like, yeah. And this is when we met, actually, when I yeah. was doing job for two years because they said like great we need a data visualization training you know we, we see the point so please find someone who specializes in this and bring him on board and so that's when i found you uh, yeah. online and uh, invited you and we had this uh, wonderful was it one day two days two days maybe. i think it was two days we did and yeah. what's interesting about that training is i still think about that training because oh. and it's happened a lot of times since but what was interesting at that training is it was a lot of people, a lot of the analysts who were working yeah. with the data. And yeah. so when, when we were working in, in groups and, and with the actual things that they were, you know, the actual analysis and products that they were making, they were doing a lot of like monthly and weekly reports for yeah. the managers. And they, and they knew, everybody in the room knew that they were bad. Like they <laughs> knew that the graphs and the tables were all bad. But it was a constant thing that kept coming up that's like, yeah, I know this is bad, but I, but the manager really likes this format because the manager knows 
to go to this like one cell and it's like but they don't know that they should be going over here so it was it was sort of it was, it was fascinating in that sense that there were people who knew what they were creating was not the best thing but they didn't know how to like get the change started Tell me about it. I was working every day with them. <laughs> I would hear that all the time. I actually, I learned a lot from this. And you know, now I give trainings as well here in Montreal. Yeah. And it's a leadership institute for managers, basically. Mm-hmm. So often mid-level managers, you know, people in their 30s, 40s who are all going to the next step. And I tell them, the re- you, know, you might think I'm not the one making the graphs here, but you're the one setting the standards in yeah. your organization. You are the reason why the analyst doesn't want to change the graphs mm-hmm. for the exact reason that you have uh, described. So uh, I think they get it uh, at the end. Like, okay, mm-hmm. I then I, you know, I show them a lot of before and afters. That's my way of, of teaching them. I say, yeah. okay, what is wrong with this graph? And then we redo it. And often they look at the first graph and like, I don't know. It looks like my graphs. You know? <laughs> <laughs> right. It looks fine. <laughs> Insert chart. What's the problem? Exactly. It adds to 110%, which is the amount of effort we put into it. (laughs) The problem is you didn't give me the 3D red and blue glasses so I can see the 3D pie chart. Exactly. Where's the third dimension? Yeah. Uh, so they um, no, they get it. And, and indeed, it, sometimes it can be frustrating to work with the analyst because indeed they have this resistance. And sometimes it's resistance because they've got clear orders, but sometimes it's afraid of proposing changes, you know, that yeah. they feel like they're executing or it's just different. I'm not sure I'm going to, you know, like keep a low profile, just deliver what the, the client wants and the, the bosses want. So. It was great because at this, this is also an annual meeting that we had where we invited you. And so those are right. the, we call them the portfolio analysts. Yeah. So it's the people who deal with the portfolio data, how many projects do we have, in what country, how much do they uh, cost, and what, where's the staff, et cetera. They have this data all the time and they have to represent it. So it was great to have them like once a year. And I was so happy that yes. the management would realize we're going to speak about data visualization yeah. for two days, you know, yeah. and recognizing that we have this because when i got this 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 two-year assignment it was my main project was to redo the entire management reporting mm-hmm. of our half of the, the ifc i was at the world bank i was working in the international finance corporation which is the part of the world bank that works with private sector regardless half of it was doing advisory services and it was an ambitious project and i realized that it took a lot of time for managers to realize that this was not a reporting project. This was a management project. Mm. Because we're asking questions, what do you manage? What decisions do you make? What do you have power over? This is fundamental if you want to know what data to put into the reports. You know? Because I think the reflex that we have or that I see a lot in organizations is just to put all the data out there. Here is everything that's happening onto every topic into every region. Right. And so it's just mindful goals. Like this is the manager's responsibility. That's it. So this was a good experience to have you there. It was good that to have the recognition of the management. And uh, yeah, and the most positive thing is that we met. Yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> um, now that you've been working with lots of clients over the last few years, mm-hmm. do you think that that model of the way you got started in this is the model that organizations should try to follow. So your path was you got really interested in this. You tried to get your colleagues to do a better job. You brought it to your manager and the manager agreed and bought in and made it a priority. Is that the way you think that a lot of organizations, that's how they're going to end up prioritizing better data communication? 
because I feel like a lot of people I've talked to, that's the success stories. That's the basic path where they or someone they know has gotten really interested in this. And it's certainly true in my case. Uh, they were interested in it. They tried to make some change and then management agreed and bought into it. And then it sort of spread throughout the organization. Whereas the sort of alternative model of that is a manager or an executive says on their own, this is a thing that we're going to do. And they try to, it's more like a top-down approach. I find that in, in data visualization, seeing is believing. You know, mm-hmm. you need to show them the before and after. Yeah. They don't see the problem, really. So when you get someone like you and I who's interested in this and starts to reduce this, they start to see the potential. They start to see the power of proper data visualization. They just take it for granted that it cannot be visualized better and that they're going to have to struggle a bit with the data. But when you have someone, in my experience, when you have someone really who shows that suddenly you understand your data, suddenly yeah. you don't spend your meeting decoding the graphs Everything is obvious, and we spend the meeting making decisions, analyzing this, and then taking steps forward. Uh, you know, I have an example in my class where I show them so it's horizontal bar chart. It's fun to talk on a data visualization podcast. I can just like nerd out about those things. People just visualize them in their head immediately. Horizontal bar chart of 30 countries with fictional fake data in there, and I tell them what is the top three, you know, and it's an alphabetical order. And they like the struggle, and they name the countries. And then what is the bottom three? And, and then I put it back into order of performance, you know. Right. And then I say, what is the top three? Like, uh, there's a catch. Like, why, why, why would you even ask that? Right. So when they realize that actually the graphs can do a part of their job, and they focus like, why is there top three? Why are they like this? Instead of arguing around the table, like, no, I think this one's a bit longer than this one. No? Right. <laughs> and I think once they see this, uh, some people really get excited about yeah. it, if, especially if they've been struggling with it. And then if you can have, like this was my experience that I described, uh, if you can have someone high up to buy into this and then to mm-hmm. drive it, I had a very positive experience uh, doing this at the World Bank. But I did feel the loss of that person who was yeah. the vice president, like number two, and just going because the new vice president didn't know me, actually didn't know exactly why I was doing this. And the other one was really looking forward to this. So I think I would have had like a good combination of your model of having someone high up who says, this needs to happen. This guy needs to be in the room when we make decisions because he needs to hear our discussions. Like what data do we understand? What data do we not understand, et cetera. So I'd say it's probably going to happen with someone passionate about it, but then you need the buy-in of the high ups. So then we've got the buy-in of the high-ups, and then how do we get the buy-in of the analysts? So in the case when you were at the World Bank, it was you working with your colleagues. So that was sort of you know, one model. But now that you're doing a lot of client work and you know, a company calls you in, they say, can you help us you know, improve this report or improve the way we make graphs or do this analysis, whatever. How do you think about getting the analyst level people, the people who are really working with the data to buy into this idea of, of better visuals, because I suspect the people you work are, are similar to what the people I work with, which is they don't identify as designers. Not that you need to be a designer or data viz, but that's how they, they identify data visualization as like a design skill. It's a very difficult question. And it's one on which I've mostly given up, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> and what's great about being a consultant because my clients, <laughs> they come to me. They right. have recognized the value of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would say that it's very personality-driven in, mm. in my experience. Some people really get excited about this, and some people are just bothered by it. 
and just don't see the value. They're just like the data was all there. It wasn't a graph that I can decode. What, like, this is a new process. I have to go out of my way to make those graphs. So I have to learn a tool or whatever or learn a, a function of a tool I'm using, and they just cannot be bothered. It feels like decoration or something like this. Yeah. And actually, it's a challenge. I find that people sometimes think that, no, the analysis is done. Can you make it look good? No, no, that's not what I'm doing. It's, it's not about beautifying any of yeah. this. It's clarifying this whole thing. So it's personality-driven. Some people just get it. And in my experience, it's a huge market out there for this. So I have no time to waste with someone who's not convinced. Like yeah. I have plenty of work just working with people who come to me and say, I actually need this. And often it's going to be because they have a key presentation, a key report. They have a, like a crucial moment where they invest more. And so they're going to reach out externally mm -hmm. to say, you know, where they're going to go beyond their internal resources and they're going to ask someone to actually help them deliver a quality product. And that's why I have given up on trying to convince anyone. I did this uh, in the first year, maybe, uh, mm -hmm. where this position, the World Bank. And after I realized it doesn't stick anyway, they're not really interested. They hate me a little more than they did before. <laughs> so <laughs> it was not really worth the expense of energy. I'm just going to work with the people who, who get it, you know, right. and who want it. Right, right, right. Um, see, I see this sort of, there's still this tension where the HR manager, the procurement manager or the, or the executive, or whatever identifies a need and then, and then they bring you in, but you're working not with them. You're working with the data analyst. So let me ask it this way. You've mentioned a few times this sort of before and after as a way to demonstrate the value, but like yeah. when you're sitting with the analyst who's sort of been told they have to go to this training or they have to work with you as a consultant to improve, like what are the various strategies that you use to say, this is why, you know, color is important or, you know, not using, you know, whatever the thing is like, or I think slides are a good example. One that I always struggle with is like, you know, they say, well, I want the four bullet points on there. So I remember what to talk about. And, you, you know, and then you have to go through this whole like discussion. So in addition to the before and afters, you have other strategies that you use to, to try to convince the, the skeptics. Well, I would say that, you know, I said I, I work with the people who are, convinced but they're convinced that something needs to change not necessarily that they're going to change it <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, they come like well this presentation over there looks really good i wish i had one of those yeah but no i cannot let go of my five bullet points it just <laughs> needs to look like this picture but with five bullet points <laughs> that look like a picture right 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 so, <laughs> so they, they don't realize that there's i mean design is trade-offs all the time and i i think there are very few solves problems in, uh, in design uh, of, of these kind of things. So it's always trade-offs. Yes, you're not going to have your notes on the screen, but maybe that's a plus for other reasons. So I would say that one of my arguments that is, if we talk about PowerPoint, for instance, of mm -hmm. presentations, one of my arguments that works best is people are coming to listen to you. You are the presentation they're going to pay attention to you. We're just going to put on the screen what's going to visually support what you're saying. We don't want people to be distracted between reading and listening. And actually, I've been surprised at how much traction I get mm. with this. People mm. often let go. The problem that I have is sometimes people want to leave the PowerPoint behind, the file, and, and print it, and they feel like it's, a, you know, the slidement, mm -hmm. basically, yep. where they have everything. So usually I can convince them that they can uh, leave the speaker's notes, you know, with the slide on top yeah. and then at the bottom. This can work uh, as well. 
But I mean, I would say that in general, I've been fairly lucky. Uh, and I, I really had moments where like it was completely useless. Of course, you know, sometimes it's everything needs to stay and it's frustrating and then yeah. it's hard to go around it. And often we realize like it's not really a good match, you know, because mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not necessarily satisfied with the product. Mm -hmm. And it's been difficult for them. It's been a struggle to keep everything there. So we, we, we do realize this. But <clears throat> other than that, I think I've, I've been fairly lucky. Like people are willing to let go, for instance, of the corporate templates more than I feared. Mm -hmm. Like let go of this. Like first, maybe your first slide, you know, we're going to have it with the logo and all. But really, if they're on your premises, you know, yeah. we'll listen to you. It's yeah. okay to have your logo and your seven squares on the screen, you know, repeating <laughs> every time. You know? So I personally, I really like working with the authors, you know, mm -hmm. like not, not working with an intermediary, like some, you know, someone in communications who's right. on behalf of blah, blah, blah. When I work directly with them, I really have a focus on the content. Mm -hmm. And for me, I mean, I strive much more for elegance than beauty and that, it just it's elegant because it all falls into place and it's all clear and it's what we have to kind of it's not really because the colors are fun or any of that right. you know so i connect very well with authors usually on this where you know i thought like so you have this data you're communicating what are you communicating again like well i want to say that the trend is downwards your line is going up right now <laughs> So just, just rotate it just 180 <laughs> degrees, just turn it upside yeah, down. You're exactly, all set. <laughs> exactly. Let's, let's flip it. But so, so they're like, oh, well, you're right, actually. You know, it yeah. doesn't really, it contradicts my message. So I really focus on the message. I don't say like, but, but pink is so pretty. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Which is not very convincing to them. Yeah. But if I really tell them, look, you want them to change their behavior. I, in communications in general, I focus a lot on this. Mm -hmm. What behavior are you trying to change? And sometimes you realize, well, nothing. I just want to raise awareness. <laughs> and mm -hmm. so it's good enough sometimes to just let go of something and realize, yeah. well, nothing. But if you really want people to do something different, I find that it focuses and sharpens the discussion. Like now we know why something should be in or not. And so that's another way I go about it to convince them to really focus on their objectives, on their content. And we, we, uh, we connect on that. Right. I suspect one of the other uh, great advantages of being a freelancer is getting to meet and work with all these different people. And sometimes some people get to meet fancy, famous people. And oh, you have you done that. Well, yes. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Who, um, Andy, Andy, one of the Andes, no? <laughs> what <are> the <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, there's there's too many of the Andes in the field, I think is the problem. Um, You're right, Andy. <laughs> Andy's always right. <laughs> um, so I get the sense that you met Matt Damon recently. Is that right? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, famous. Uh, uh, actually famous. Of data visualization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A an actual famous person. Yeah. yeah, no, an actual famous person. No, uh, actually, uh, <clears throat> yeah, sure. Actually, we were he and I were talking uh, over Thanksgiving. You know about. <laughs> <laughs> about how, you know, he skipped his family dinner to come over to mine. Where I <laughs> right, right. No, more seriously, it's actually the World Bank. He's, he's involved into a, something that's called water.org. Mm -hmm. And I worked with the water unit of the World Bank for a big ministerial meeting. They had 50 countries represented with ministers and all. And this is an example where the stakes are very high. 
So yeah. they're bringing external resources. We have to nail that presentation. No, it cannot be that by PowerPoint once again. And it needs to look professional and all. So this is where I, I come in. And Matt was on the panel, but there was also the Assistant Secretary General of the UN that was there, the President of the World Bank, and and anyway, and <clears throat> big deal NGOs, and of course all those ministers that were represented. It was, I mean, I love it because I've been lucky, I've been very lucky in, in the four years that I've been doing this as a freelancer, that I've worked on good causes, you know, mm -hmm. I work alleviating poverty, et cetera, and, and protecting the environment and gender equality, et cetera, except my work with the World Bank, of course. You know. well. <laughs> <laughs> people your, former your former boss is listening to this episode. She just, she just sighed. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let's cut that at the. Yeah. <laughs> let's cut that, please, please, John, cut this. <laughs> my livelihood depends on it. No, I, I've been very lucky. Even my other clients, I was uh, working on an anti-tobacco uh, campaign, campaign recently. What they need an infographic, and I've been, I've been. But I think you know, I attract this, and it's also my expertise, if you want, that I'm developing. As I said, I studied international development before, so yeah, I've been lucky to uh, to to do this. Uh, well, this is great. Thanks for uh, coming on the show and chatting. Um, it's really interesting to hear the the work that you're doing and the, and the challenges you have. And hopefully, your uh, your stories will help other people help others improve the way that they communicate their data. So, uh, thanks a lot for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. And thanks to everyone for tuning into this week's episode. If you have comments or questions or suggestions, please. Uh, drop me a line on the uh, show notes page or on Twitter. So until next time, this has been the Policy Viz Podcast. Thanks so much for listening.